Murphy from all the fire, all the heat. <laughs> I know. I eclipsed it. You are blocking the heat there, Ben Perry. <laughs> I got to be honest with you, man. I don't think it gets any cooler than hanging out at uh, Guy Fieri's freaking house outside with an outside fire and then i'm in the kitchen he's like hey uh, you hungry oh i'm like yeah and then he just made me the most amazing lobster with heat i think he called it a korean lobster dish but i don't even know if that's true or not but it was amazing and then i fanboyed out because my sister holly is a massive food network oh really massive i go guess where i'm at and she's just pretty much crying at home right now (laughs) well you get to have the lobster there you go yeah exactly but it's crazy. So the difference of, you know, like good to great is, you know, you saw the BTUs on the oven. Yeah. You know, like when I put it on high, like I can cook some things on my oven. That thing on high could weld stainless steel. Oh, my God. It was crazy. The heat coming off that thing. He was heating his house as he was cooking the lobster. Right. You know, without uh, going into details, the, the one thing, as soon as I, you know, arrived and I saw a guy, I go, hey, guy, I don't, I don't think you have enough toys. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit. Without getting into it, <laughs> well, you know, it's... how many cars does he own? If you had to guess, I think we could at least say that. Well, I would say uh, if you were to put uh, a Sirius XM sponsorship on every car he owned, yeah, he he definitely paid your salary for quite a while. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, that was a lot of fun um, taping grocery games today. A very special episode for Carl coming out. What in April? Yes, yeah, uh, the April Fool show. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, every every chance that that guy could trick Carl on that show, he yeah. did. Uh, you saw it every, you know, every nuance of that show today. Uh, when when Troy uh, was was drinking the milk, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. Drinking the milk, that was a typical guy Carl moment. Yeah. In a minute, he would trick him into something, and it would backfire. And it was just, you know, it was pure gold on TV. It's amazing how many people flew in for this. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, I know Guy paid for some people, and then others were like, look, I'm just flying in. There was there was well over 100 people just checking out the filming today. Well, you know, much, you know, with, with Carl, he made everybody feel special. And if you could hang, if you, you want to just hold on to that moment for a little bit and try to feel a little bit more special and a little bit of that time and, and remember what you had and you wanted to be here. Yeah. It's not a question of, you know, like, oh, I feel like I have to be there. No, you have a desire to want to be here. Just like you would want to answer that when he called you. You'd you'd want to hang out when the opportunity was there. You just want to present yourself and yeah, be with yeah. him. And that's this is exactly what today was. It was the best part. And Guy showed so much love and uh, so much respect uh, to Carl today. I mean, no one could beat what he did today. It was no. amazing, from Def- top to bottom. It was amazing. Right. It was it was it was uh, the tribute of tributes. Right. You know, I mean, just seeing everybody and and I mean, I keep in mind, I'm you know, I'm a nobody, and walking into this studio and seeing everybody and and just seeing all the all the laughter, all the tears, everybody sharing. Everyone had a story today. Everyone shared their favorite story. And there's going to be probably, you know, after 10 more beers, we're all going to share another story tonight. Oh, yeah, That's not for the podcast, but <laughs> it's one of those things where everyone had their moment. And, uh, you know, creating moments is so rare. Right. And he did it with everybody. It's unbelievable. And uh, Murphy was on the show today. What's up, brother? Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. Happy to be yourself. here. I'm Mark Murphy. I'm, uh, you know, I guess I'm just a friend of Carl's. 
That's it? Yeah, yeah, that's for, for right now. Yeah, that's yeah. it, right now. Right. You were great today. I had a good time. You know, I've, I've been cooking uh, for quite a while. I love coming on the show. I love goofing off on the show. Yeah. I always have a good time, and I used to have a good time here with Carl, and I got to tell you, it's like walking on that set today, I got emotional. Of course. Uh, coming here, you know, the one thing I know about Carl, the, the one thing I remember most about Carl is that laugh. Yeah. That laugh was infectious. Absolutely. I mean, it was, and you can sort of, you know, close your eyes and hear it, you know, it's just there. Yeah. And uh, he was somebody I had a lot of respect for, and I had, a, I was kind of jealous of him. Really? His, his wit and his intellect and the way, the quick witness that he had, I always was like, damn, I wish I had like a tenth of that. <laughs> right. You know, because it was the stuff that came out of his mouth was just like, you know, when you go to the doctor, you hit the knee and the knee yeah. goes up. Like, that's the so kind of, quick, that's so, how quick you had So quick, responses. so fast, and so funny. Oh, it was awesome. Instantaneously. I, it, was, it was amazing. And I, I can't even believe, I mean, it's still sort of surreal, but, yeah. I mean, obviously seeing all these people here together and, and uh, you know, wishing, obviously wishing uh, wishing he was still with us, but it was, um, celebrating his life is something that's that's important. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, I think the... In Mexico, they do a great thing. You know, they, they don't they don't mourn people's deaths. They they celebrate people's lives. Yeah, they but have yeah, that, that creepy that, animation you know, that my kids love. What was they, it called they, again? A Coco? I don't know what it was. The Yes. The movie Coco? Yeah, the movie yes. Coco, where they celebrate they celebrate their dead relatives. It, it's really well, creepy. You know, the re- the it reason I you know movie. you're reminding me of it now. I, I'm reading. Aron Sanchez wrote a cookbook. Wrote a cookbook. Yeah. Ron Sanchez just wrote a book about his life, and and I'm only on page like 30 or 40. But in the beginning, he talks about his moment being in Mexico and experiencing the day of the dead and how people are just cooking and eating and having a great time. And that's sort of what I feel like we're doing now. And I know yeah. it's getting late. We gotta, we're got we supposed to go to a party soon. Yeah. I'm not sure what Gene is going to be doing, but we're going to be doing plenty of drinking and yeah. celebrating <laughs> Carl's life. Yeah. yeah, Damn right. I just wish he was here for it. Uh, yeah. like he, he, I mean, he, he invited me out to California many times to hang on grocery games and right. hang out with all you guys. And I always put it off like, yeah, yeah, eventually I'll get, I'll get there. The, so the first time I get, I, I'm out here, it's, it's for this. Well, it's crazy because obviously this is my first time meeting you, and uh, we have things in common, it turns out, yes, oddly enough. But uh, I always heard about you, and I know Carl had much respect for you, and, I, and, and it's, it's strange because I'm, I'm hearing that from a lot of people. Right. It's like, oh, I heard about you through Carl, yeah. and I heard about you through Carl, yeah. and Carl said this about you, and it was always, and everything, everything with a lot it's of love. A, it's like the Kevin Bacon game. But, seven, but, six, but it's Carl, right? But it's Carl. We're all related. Instead of bacon, there it is. Instead of bacon, it's a Cuban sandwich. Instead of bacon, seven degrees, it's a Cuban sandwich. But coming around the corner of the set today, you know, it just it finally hit home because a lot of our friends, we're, we all come from different parts of the country together to come together, and you can kind of keep people in a little pocket of your mind, like, hey, they're over there, they're doing their thing. But coming around the corner, it just hit home because on that set. In between the scenes you'll never see, the things that never happen, Carl and Guy's chemistry just kept that show going, kept everyone powered with so much energy and made it so fun. I mean, when you say surprises, he would make Carl, who's a judge, randomly just compete against the winner like, and not tell him. And just sort of like throwing things at him and be like, you got to... So it's like at all times, Carl was always being put to the test to prove himself. And he just had fun through it all. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, you know? Who are you, by the way, for the podcast? I'm Jack Brown from Sophistafunk, and we've been friends with Carl and with Guy for years coming out and playing the parties and a lot of great memories. Uh, yeah, some <laughs> nice Festivus memories and 
some things we can't repeat about it, but I will say one time there was a bounty put out on his underwear at a, at a festivus so, <laughs> for $1,000. And let me tell you, they were going for it. And uh, I had to jump in and save him at one point because he was on the ground. Where and it was a $1,000? I know. You know, we look, I, said, remember who, I said, remember who was there for you, Carl. And he, and so he, they were trying to yank his underwear off for $1,000? The atomic wedgie, but yeah, through yeah. the legs and the whole oh, kit and caboodle. And he was getting around, and uh, he was on guard, let's just say. Uh, he was like a deer at the watering hole a little bit. But, uh, you know, you just never – like, you want to talk about the life of a party. I mean, we're all here to give love and to show respect to somebody who is a life of the party and a life of our lives, you know what I mean, and, and, and brought something real special to us and was just so down to earth and such yeah. a cool dude. So you see who comes out for it and why, you know, and, and it's bringing us all together, and we're here to celebrate together. It's been amazing. Miami, New York, now California, like the people – coming out of the woodwork with Carl stories. It's it's insane. Murph, you got a good Carl story? One good one? Oh, I got a lot. You know, actually, the funniest one is I went I went to the restaurant uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, really, like maybe like two weeks. La Cubana? La Cubana, and, and two weeks before he passed. And I, he was sitting outside smoking a cigarette, and he didn't have his glasses on, which was really rare. And I was like, because well, hey, they Carl. were broken. Well, maybe they were broken. <laughs> but the great thing is, he was, I was like, hey, Carl, how you doing? And I was like, I was with a couple of friends, and I introduced my friends. And I was like, and then I mentioned, I was like, oh, you know, I, I can't believe you don't have your glasses on. No, I know. It's fine. Let's go inside and have a drink, Rocco. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that quick. I'm like, and my, boy, my boys who I was with, who we rolled in with, were just like, whoa. Like, it was so, I mean, that was just. The, the quick and the intellect of what he had, like, he could just pull that stuff out. And it was like, no. Oh, and it was just effortlessly. Effortless. And it was, that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. I was so jealous of that. Yeah. I, I want everyone to know, man, I, I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, hang with the, the funniest comics out there. And Carl was right there always. And sometimes, not sometimes, more than sometimes, he was the funniest in the room. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I know he always talked about being on your show and the people that he used to hang out with. He was tell these stories about all the all these yeah. people that hang out with all these yeah. all these uh, you know, in your in your industry, the yeah. the funny industry, is that what yeah. they call it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm in the food industry. It's you called in the funny the industry? No, it's called the toxic uh the toxic industry. industry. <laughs> well, well, I got to tell you, he, toxic. He, he was uh, you know, I think he really felt like he made it there when he was working with yeah, you on right the show. On, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Rodriguez, get yeah. over here, brother. What's up? Introduce yourself. Anthony. Cameraman for Grocery Games. Anthony Rodriguez, right. DP of Triple right. D and Grocery Games. Let me tell you about Anthony Rodriguez. So we met for the first time today, but when uh, Carl uh, you know, died, you reached out to me on Twitter and made sure I was okay. And I, 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 I want to thank you for that. That was amazing because you, didn't, you, didn't, you don't know me. You're, I mean, you're welcome. I mean, it's the idea is I saw that you guys came together at a time where you both needed each other. You know, and I think as much as he needed help, you needed help, and I think that that's who he was. I mean, he was never about himself. And it's, so at a time when he was at his darkest, he wanted to be there for other people. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what who he was. I mean, like, everybody always says, and since his passing, it's like, oh, Carl lit up a room. No, he didn't. He made everybody in the room feel like they were better than themselves. Yeah. You know, if he was introducing you, he wouldn't say... There's my buddy Opie. He'd say, here's Opie. He's the funniest guy around, or he's the greatest radio guy that ever lived. Mark Murphy, he's the greatest chef. There's Chico. He's the greatest photographer that ever lived. He always made you feel like you were the greatest person. He was better than Flavor Flav. (laughs) He made you you feel like you were the greatest person that ever lived. I mean, he really gave you the confidence and the the power to be better than yourself. I have no problem saying that. He brought my confidence back. And made yeah. uh, and made me funny again, and we were both down and out at the same time, and just laughed our way right back up to the top. 
For sure. I mean, and he was always there more than he was there for himself. I'll tell you, a couple of Christmases ago, I sent him a random text and I said, hey, Carl, I'm, I'm cooking your pork, you know, your, your rib roast for dinner. He's like, call me right now. <laughs> so I'm so I'm like all right. It's like Christmas. It's like it's like Christmas Eve day, and I call him up, and he's. He, I'm like I was like Carl. It's Christmas. I was like I'm just I'm just letting you know I'm. It's like awesome. I'm cooking your meal. He's like, well, I'm not going to let you f up Christmas dinner. <laughs> and then he spends the next 45 minutes telling me exactly how to cook it. He's like he's like you got to do it like this. You got to like that. Don't listen to anybody else. Just do this, and it'll be perfect. And your Christmas will be the best Christmas ever. And it was. And yeah. also made by the fact that he took the time out of his Christmas to make my Christmas better right. when he could have just said, awesome, have a great Christmas. Yeah, I'm glad you're course. cooking that, you know. Yeah. But that made him happy. For sure, you know, and that's what he was about was making others happy. I mean, I really think, I think part of the thing with Carl was is that so many people had individual amazing relationships with him and that's coming out in these, in Miami and in California and coming up soon in New York is he had so many individual amazing relationships that really made all these people feel so special and close to him. I mean, people on Twitter that never met him are just, like, broken up about this. Yeah. It's because he really made everybody around him feel like they were important. And that's a big, that's that's an amazing thing. More than amazing. You're not going to see that anytime soon again. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I loved him like a brother. And, and it's it's been a hard couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, but to be here with everybody telling these stories is what he'd want to, you know, that's how people live on forever, right. you know. When someone dies like Carl, you know, it, it feels like such a tragedy. But you said basically you got to learn from that and make your life better and, and give, give this meaning. For sure. I mean, so... You know, Carl passes away and we're all sad. And, you know, we all go to the funerals and we want to cry. Number one, that's not what he'd want. He'd want us here together telling these stories and laughing and living. And I actually sent a note about this a couple of weeks ago. And, like, he would be so pissed if we were crying. He'd be like, get out there. Live. Do what I can't do. Party. Drink. Have fun. See your family. See your friends. Celebrate your family. Celebrate your kids. Right. You know, that's what he'd want, and that's what his life was about. I mean, that whole Ruizing thing, everybody would say, oh, what's that about? It really was just living in the moment, living right. for today, living well, for everything. Well, I said it. I found spirituality in the last, you know, uh, few years, and Carl would make fun of it, which he should, yeah. find the jokes and, you know, beat me up about it. But in the end, I'm like, Carl, you you lived one of the, one of the um, most important things about spirituality, which was living in the moment, the power of now. He was all about that. He was, and that's what that hashtag is. I mean, everybody kind of joked about it a little bit, but it really was about appreciating life. Well, I feel bad that I joked uh, more than a few times on the podcast that, hey, Carl, you're going to die over a hashtag. And yeah. he would he would let out that laugh like, because, <laughs> you know, because. Yeah, it's a deep lesson from it. When you look back on all of it, it's almost like he lived and existed on this plane to show us something about ourselves right. that we can, like, Rodriguez just said, learn from it. Now, we can, can we take some part of Ruizing into our lives, but also want to be here for a long time and to appreciate this time that we do have? I mean, like you said, there is a deep spirituality to him, and and we can learn from it now because, yeah. you know, I look around at guys, friends, and family, and we're all here. A lot, of the, a lot of people here, guys been friends with for years and years, grew up with, known from day one, Northern California. But there was something so special about Carl when he came into Guy's life and will never, you know, and you could see their connection and the way they were together. And, and it just, it speaks to all of our connections. So I think by, by us being here together and loving and appreciating life and each other, he, he's smiling down right now. Sure is. And you made a, a very important point because there are, you know, the idiots online when they talk about Ruizing, it's like, oh, look where it got Carl, you know, and they think That's it's about, BS. It's, yeah. they think it's about just getting shit faced and having a fucking no. hot dog. He I'm loved, like, no, you don't understand. He loved the people 
he was with. He right. was humble to everyone right. he met. He treated you like a right. real person no matter who you were. And that's something we can all take yeah. no matter what we do in but our But the lives. point was that Ruizing to Carl, and I know because I hung out with him so much, it was living in the moment. Ruizing, yeah. Some days it might have been getting shit-faced and having hot dogs. but it's, then It's whatever the moment is. Ruizing yeah. is going to see your niece play college basketball game. Ruizing is going to have the best steak dinner. Right. Ruizing is going to hug your friend. Ruizing right. is whatever you want to, it to be. Well, to me, it's fishing. And Carl, yeah. we love you, bud, so that's why we're all here together, keeping your message alive. Oh, Guy Fieri, I was podcasting in front of your fire. I'm sorry. Just get the fuck out. <laughs> I thought you left. I'm like, do it's I turn? my house. I, I know, but I, I was starting to think I was going to have to turn the lights off. No, you were, I, gonna, I you were trying to figure out how to load stuff into your car. <laughs> uh-huh. That's more of the shady style, but you, I like it. You know what? You My life hasn't all, gotten that you guys, bad. You guys have all been out here puff, puff, giving. Yeah. I, I, I can't lie, my uh, my sister's a huge Food Networks uh, fan and a well, fan your of yours. your sister's a wonderful person. So I, I kind of like, you know, I did a little humble brag. A little humble brag. Said, I think guy, you should, you're my brother. I, I'm like, guy just made me lobster, huh? What do you think of that? And she's like, she's crying I now. cooked she's lobster crying. on the fly, bro. That was amazing. That was lobster on the fly. That was amazing. All right, guy, you want this close? Uh, yeah. All right, we're heading out. How do we get out of here? All right, pick out the front door. All right, let's go. Is that the front door? No one knows where the front door is. This place is so amazing. No one knows where the front door is. You think? Did you talk about this kitchen yet on the podcast? I did not. What do you want to say about the kitchen? It's fucking amazing. I am not a chef, but I'm a home chef. Do you think you could throw a football from this side of the kitchen to that side? Yeah, but it's it's real spacious, and yeah. the, the range is incredible. Yeah. The vent hood is incredible. The sinks and the fridges are incredible. The flames. He's got. I asked Guy. I was like, "What's the you know what 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 tip can I take home to my kitchen?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Because when Carl was in my kitchen, he said he was like, he was, "Carl was like, Matt, I got to come back here later. I'm, I'm gonna rearrange all your drawers and I'm gonna make it." He never got a chance to, but he said, "If I could change one thing about your kitchen, I would give you foot I put foot pedals on the sink." He's like, "It's gonna game changer." So I have my guy now looking into the foot pedals, but I asked Guy. If, what could I change in my kitchen to take it to the next level? He goes, he goes you got to get some, some real BTUs in there, some real power. When he made you that lobster, oh the, you see the flame he was yeah. he He basically turned a knob and a campfire happened on his biggest. <laughs> <laughs> Did he expect anything and he goes, less? Yeah, he goes, he goes, you need a one-inch one gas line. And yeah. this house doesn't run on natural gas. It's got a one-inch propane hard line. Baller. Right now, guys, over 20 feet away from us in the corner, showing off like a $50,000 deli slicer. That that costs as much as a car as like a car. Yeah. And then he's got look. You see, he's like he's got a four foot pepper fucking mill over here. He's got a stand mixer on the floor like you'd have at a at a bagel shop in New York City. It's 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 so sick. This kitchen, it's ridiculous. Like and look, everyone's just hanging in the kitchen. You know, I I respect guy. He is you know he's chill. I'm a stranger in his house. There's other strangers in his house. He's very chill about it. For someone that's that famous, I don't think we have any business being here. I feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I feel really uncomfortable. I'm really on edge. The weed is helping. So okay. is the so is the white claw a little bit. But like, I feel very on edge. But like, everyone's nice. Everyone's been very very nice. Like, oh, his guys, family guys is really been real. Nice. Everyone's been so nice. I don't have a reason to feel edgy. I just am very aware of whose house I'm in. I'm sure everyone knows on the podcast that while he was cooking me lobster, I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit. 
did he not say that he was a big fan of Opie and Anthony? He did say he was a fan of Opie and Anthony, and he said he was a fan of Opie and Anthony because of how much Howard Stern shit on you, which yeah. I think is a very interesting yeah. Streisand effect to have happened. Well, what he said was, which was awesome. We're going. Oh, are you still podcasting right now? I'm not By the way, the amount I just saw you talking about. We're influencers now. We have influencing to do over here. Let's go. Let's leave, guys. Wait, no. So the point, though, and he was right. He really knows radio. He goes, the only reason I started listening to you guys was because Howard Stern was so up your ass talking about you guys that it made me, meaning Guy, check you guys out. And and I went, wow, I like these guys. I'm going to start listening to them. You should embrace Howard Stern's shittiness more. Whoa. We just got got Oscared out of the kitchen. (laughs) Speech went a little, the lights just went off. I think we got to take the hit. Let's go. Uh, All right. Let's let's get in our Porsche and uh, and go. All right. Let's go. Oh, out? Yeah. Gloria. Let me just say that Flavortown rules. Oh, my God. Look at this totem pole. Oh, he said that forever. What is it? It's a giant totem pole Buddha that looks hand carved. It's amazing. I, bet he's got the, I thought, I it, was, I thought it was Carl. <laughs> That's so funny. Why don't we put glasses and a beard and a hat on this? We could turn this into Carl. We could make this Carl very easy. <laughs> he will live at your house. Might be fucking Carl. Bro. Come on. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out how to leave. No one knows how to leave, Gloria. <laughs> no one knows how to leave. I'll wait for Guy to drive us, tell us which way we're going. And then we'll just follow him out. It's my, my pattern. Did you have fun uh, at the grocery games taping? Oh my God, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. It was unbelievable. I hate German Shepherds. I hate German Shepherds. I got bit as a kid. Oh my God, really? I'm triggered. I'm triggered. For, no, I'm triggered. German, you can even handle it. I'm not joking. I'm triggered. Come on, I'm triggered. All right, get me out. Gloria, I got bit on my paper route. German Shepherd nipped me in the knee, and I've been scared of German Shepherds ever since. But that one didn't bother you at all. He just walked right past you. He could have cared less about you. Right? I stopped breathing though. You still podcasting my fucking house? Yeah. Get the fuck out. <laughs> This is like... It's uh, a new party crasher. The podcaster hiding in the linen closet. Yeah. Huh? barn is sick. Yeah, but what is that barn? That barn was built in 1891. It's one of the last round barns in California. And it is enormous, dude. It's three stories high. Yeah. I got to take you tomorrow and show you that. But that is... Right now, it's just the barn. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing inside. Just to go walk in and see the architecture from 1891 will blow your mind. But um, it's going to be an indoor basketball court for Ryder. No. Oh, yeah. It's massive. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm a huge basketball guy. Yeah, so this is... uh, We thought you were breeding horses in there. Well, that's what it was originally for. The guy, um, uh, Adolf Wesky, that built this whole big compound that was 800 acres back in the day. He's the one that... uh, Yeah. The sprinter only holds so many. We've got people leaving. Does anybody need to jump people in? People are jumping in with people. Jump in yeah, we'll, we'll jump. Have, uh, Chef Murphy and I have... All right. He's going to jump in. I'm driving my car. So. Yeah. Wait, do we know where we're going? Yeah, I do. Oh. You can go if you want to do a thing. No. I don't feel bad at all. No, let's go. Are you sure? Yeah, man. Okay, I, you can go. I don't feel worthy. Action. I don't feel worthy Whatever. to be just walking around. I gotta get guy, a guy's a uh, a massive estate. I don't know what you call this. Is this a ranch? No, this is a fucking estate, homie. Oh, especially my because, God. especially because you were all, oh, where do you film guys' ranch kitchen? And he goes at the ranch. And yeah. You're like. We're not at the ranch. Yeah. That's how you know we're at the estate yeah. because it's not the ranch and it's a fucking ranch. <laughs> it's 
unbelievable, Dude, man. Guy is, guy I think I got in the rich. wrong business. I should have started cooking. What am uh, I doing? Bro, with with if you cooked like him with your Boris Johnson hair. <laughs> Put the top up. You're gonna freeze. Uh, I don't care. All right, cool. Me either. <laughs> Boris, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live that down. No, man. forever. You're Boris <laughs> Johnson. Here. By the way, let the record show. I went the whole day with my fly undone. Did you? Oh, oh yeah. the button. Yeah, no, they. Uh, oh yeah, I did. We'll get some heat going. Are you just gonna stay recording? Yeah. So where are we going? We're going to somewhere called Legends in Santa Rosa, and I'm gonna pull it up, but I don't know how to get there because I don't know where I am. But apparently this is where like guy like has his parties. Oh, this is these are the watch guys. All right, so we're the watch guys are so here. So just cool. follow them. Um, yeah, we're going to celebrate Carl's life now. This is like the the trip that never ends. There she goes. This has been. Uh, Crazy! It, we've been jumping from one spot to another. We were at Guy's house. That house is sick, Jess. That's a nice house, yeah. Right? Yeah. That is a <laughs> sick house. And I thought at one point, I was podcasting up there in front of the fire, and I thought uh, that I would have to turn the lights off because I really thought Guy left and said he's like that trusting where he was just leaving his own house. And there was there were like 20 or 30, uh, I was going to say degenerates, but that's just not true. Uh, Guy has a really good crew. But I, I, I thought I'd find myself just walking through the house, turning off lights before I came down to Legends here, where we're celebrating uh, Carl's life. Man. And uh, Jesse, uh, for the for the podcast audience, uh, explain who you are. Uh, so I'm producer on a bunch of Food Network shows, but Grocery Games has been the one that I've been on for a long time. Yeah. Um, and that's how I met. That's how I met Carl. Yeah. And, and we hung out in New York, uh, yeah. I think only once, unfortunately. Think, uh, or a couple times, I think maybe. twice. Yeah, once at the old, uh, I think at Sirius, maybe. Oh, okay. And, and then... You yeah. really believed in me and Carl's chemistry. You were like, holy shit, you guys well, really... You were... I should say were, unfortunately, but you said you guys are onto something. Well, because... You know, because as the producer, it's, it's my job to interview. Right. And I saw... And you do, obviously do that pretty well and have for a long ass time sure yeah. so, <laughs> uh, and so but I saw I saw what you guys had and it was yeah it was very special you allowed him to uh, you know you allowed him to go you allowed him yeah. free reign but it was always sort of contained in a way that was really entertaining and you know because he would always it, you never knew when like a knowledge drop was coming yeah and it happened a lot on your podcast. It, it happened a lot. The funny thing is, I told a lot of people that I don't really edit the podcast. But yeah. the reason I didn't edit the podcast was because he made it so easy. There was there was never anything really to take out of the damn thing, except well, maybe for, maybe some names that would piss off some people every once in a while. Yeah. But uh, in general, right. man, it was like I would turn this damn thing on and we would go for an hour, hour and a half effortlessly. Well, that's what it seemed like. It seemed effortless. Yeah. It felt that way to you. Because that's, oh, yeah. that's how it, for the audience, yeah. for me listening to it, that's how it right. That's how it seems. What's your memories of him on grocery games and in general? Oh, you got any geez. good stories or whatever you want to say? Well, just, I mean, so the first time the first time he came on grocery games, he we did a, a tournament of diners, drive-ins, and dives chefs competing on grocery games. And I just got paired up with him. So it was 16 cooks from Triple D. And he was just... 
I mean, as a cook, he was hilarious. He was funny. He was confident. Um, even just the way he would present his dishes to the judge, the way he cooked, like you knew he knew that yeah. he, he was a real deal chef. Yeah. But then when we got into the which interview I, room, which I feel like he downplayed at times. He did. He downplayed both things. Don't you think he downplayed how funny he was? He downplayed what a good chef he was. He sort of didn't want. Right. He yeah. He didn't want to talk about it. He just wanted to show it. But but the you know the on a show like that where guys obviously the host, but th- there's not really like a narrator. It's the chefs are their own narrators, and yeah. that's through the interviews. And when, when we got to the interview room, it was like you just knew instantly that you were dealing with a thoroughbred. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was just so funny, so sharp, so quick that he made me better as an interviewer, you know, because, like, I had to be on my game. Yeah. And he was just, I don't know, man. He was, and the way he treated, that's, I mean, you see all the people here. It's like a, well over 100 people, and then um, they just opened up another room because they're, they're expecting maybe another 100. Yeah. And it's, he treated. And are they all, are all these people like Food Network people? Yeah, these are all people from the crew. I mean, there's a couple people I don't recognize, but these are all people from the crew of Grocery Games. Wow. And it was because he treated every single person, he, you know, like you were his boy. Right. You know? And, and, and he meant it. It was sincere. It was authentic every time. And, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was about a year ago. I was down in Miami uh, for a different show. And I just sent him a picture of the Miami skyline. And he, he calls me right away. And he says, that's the Miami skyline. I said, yes, Carl. He said, are you there? I said, yes, Carl. I'm here to say goodbye to the next three days of your life. <laughs> I said, well, I'm here for work, but how about tonight? He yeah. goes, meet me meet me at this address tonight at 8 o'clock. Went to this little, this amazing restaurant in Little Havana, the kind of place that you would drive by and you just wouldn't know unless you knew. Yeah. And uh, we just sat, we drank, we ate amazing food. I mean, you've been out. You, you don't say... A word. You just let him oh. do everything as far every as the time, ordering and the. Every time I would order myself, I'm like, "What am I doing?" Yeah, so you can't. Yeah, you're then, you're in the passenger seat. Then when we would hang out at restaurants, I, I just uh, no offense to the ladies out there, but I would just turn into a little bitch and go, you know, order for me. Uh, yeah, you'd be stupid not to because his <laughs> yeah. knowledge on food and I mean, on a million things, but on food it was. And this place, it was like this Scarface kind of place where like. All the servers are in their bow ties, and they, they make the beef tartare right in front of you. It, right. it was just it was an amazing place, and we just sat, we drank, we laughed, we talked. Got in his car, went to this cigar shop that was closed, but he did the secret knock. They let us in, went to the back, got some cigars, and just went uh, down to the beach until 3 in the morning, just smoked cigars, talking about life. And it was those, you know, it was he was amazing in a crowd, but yeah. it was the, the one-on-one. It was the quiet Absolutely. moments that he was... It's funny about the secret knock, because... When we did that Nantucket trip, yeah, like, sure. we walked into a watch store and he, and he just started speaking a language that they totally understood, and then they knew who he was in That's, the watch yeah. world. Oh my God, he was a, he's a legend in the watch. It's like, and yeah, there were so many subjects where it was like, oh, you know everything about that also. Yeah, and he did his 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 knowledge, his wealth of knowledge was. Well, he was constantly studying studying stuff on his uh, phone, just yeah. learning new things all the time. Yeah. And it didn't matter if he was driving, you know, 65, 70 miles an hour uh, from Rochester to, you know, New York. He still needed to learn stuff. So, yeah. you know, he'd be watching YouTube videos. And I'm like, Carl, how about we uh, keep keep an eye on the road there, buddy? Right. Yeah, no, he rarely shut it off. Uh, it sucks. It sucks. And it's hit, I know it's hit you hard, too. Yeah, it sure has. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know what to do with myself because, I mean, it was one thing, the podcast, and, you know, we had that great chemistry, but, you know, I, I mean, I'll, 
I will continue in some way. I don't know what it. Yeah, of course. I don't know what it looks like yet, but more importantly, uh, more importantly, why is that guy waving at me? I'm confused. I don't know him. I don't know. He's probably he probably knows you. He's a fan. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm I'm more bummed that I lost you know a really good friend. Yeah. And just untapped, like so much of it was untapped as far as the friendship, as far as the, as you know, you were just saying that you felt like he was close to really hitting it, right? Like really yeah. kind of becoming known even more than he was. Well, I'm a little frustrated because I, I, I think he falls just short of legendary status. I feel like another year or two of uh, becoming bigger on TV, maybe yeah. on the podcast, maybe not. And, and all that social media and the videos he was making on his own that had nothing to do with grocery games or me. Yeah. I feel like, God, if we could only got, like, another year or two, I think he would have had legendary status. Do you find yourself being a little bit mad at him? Yeah. Yeah, I, I me go too. through sad, happy, yeah. mad. Uh, yeah, but I think, that's, I think that's normal. Yeah, I think so, too. Because part of him, like... Part of him knew he was going to go out early. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, he's, he, yeah. And he didn't mind he was going out early. And I'm like, but Carl, what are you, you, there's so much more to do. Right. And he was so loved. He I was, was, I was, he was so Carl's loved. brother's right over there. I want to, I want to drag him Have you him talked over. to George yet? George rules. George is amazing. George is kind of funny in his own right. Yeah, isn't that so funny? Like, yeah, George is, I mean, it's different kind of funny, but George is funny. Yeah, because Carl on the podcast would always talk about. I was kind of scared to meet George because I know all the things that Carl said about him, and I was like, and I was just sort of agreeing with him, even though I never met his brother, because I'm, you know, Team Carl. Of course. So when I met him, I was scared because I didn't know how much of the podcast he, he, uh, yeah, heard. yeah, yeah. But in all fairness to George, I think I think Carl uh, misrepresented him at times. He's kind of funny. George gave just an amazing yeah. eulogy down in Miami, amazing at Carl's funeral, and it was like, you really feel like he. He understood his brother. He knew his brother, and that was that was awesome to to see. But yeah, George is funny. You got to get him over here. Yeah, let's uh, grab him. Anything else yeah. about Carl there, Jesse? For me personally, he just he made me feel uh, he made you feel special. You know, it, it felt like it was like an honor to be in his presence. Yeah. You know, it really was, and and he was so kind. And um, well, I don't want to step on what his brother might tell you, but what his brother said was, he said. Uh, the only currency that mattered to Carl was friendship. Yes. And I think that's how he lived his life. And, you he, know, he... He got off uh, making people happy. That's right. And, you know, and that's what he always talked about. He said, to be a really good chef, you have to be a servant. You have to want to serve people because it's too hard. You're on your feet all day and you're dealing with idiots and pain in the ass customers. And, but he said, but you have to just love to serve people yeah. and, I, and he did I think that's why he, he was 100%. so drawn to that's why he was drawn to comedy too probably yeah. that's he, another form of service yeah. you know whether he was cooking or just uh, interacting with somebody on Twitter he was he was serving yeah, and just fellow human beings yeah we went wine tasting one time up here up north um, we actually with, with my parents they came to visit on set and we went out and and he was dro- the, the level of knowledge he was dropping you know he was a fourth level sommelier oh yeah we talked about okay, that yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he would downplay what, all that all of it man fucking all of it and, and so for, that's one step below a master sommelier which is the that's like the top 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 and he was he was saying all these words and all this knowledge about wine and it was like is that really that's really a thing like and then and then the person that the winer would come over and say exactly what he said but in a more pompous arrogant way yeah. you know, and, but he 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 was just savagely intelligent savagely funny and, uh, you know, I'm going to miss him. 
And, and fuck is what you want to say. And fuck. Yeah. So we needed a little more of that, Carl. You son of a bitch. Amen to that. But I'm glad we got him. Absolutely. For as long as we did, you know? Absolutely. Here comes the man of the hour himself. I'm calling you the, the man of the hour, man George. Of the hour? No, Carl's the man of the hour. I'm the man of the half hour. How, how do you feel about all the people coming out for Carl? It's amazing. I mean, the amount of love that, that, that uh, my brother's engendered yeah. is overwhelming. It's, it's incredible. It is. And everyone you know? has a story. It's, it, it's like endless. Everyone has a story about how it's they connected with, with your brother and how um, you know, meaningful your brother was in their life. You know, for me, um, I feel like he really understood the value of connection. Yeah. And he uh, he saw food as a vehicle for it. Yeah. He saw laughter as a vehicle for it. I mean, these are things that are universal, that supersede, like, anyone's personal convictions. We all laugh. We yeah. all eat. Yeah. I mean, he, he took some of the most basic things that are universal and... And found a way to use it to connect people. Right, 100%. And I, and I think that's what made him so unique. That's why so many people are here yeah. to honor him. And they really know him. They do. They're not just here like, oh, there's a party and uh, you know, I can hang with Guy uh, Fietti and everybody from the Food Network. They're like, no, every person I, I, I've stopped, they, they really knew your brother. What kind, of, what kind of kid was he? Like, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but... My brother. Like, you two growing up, you know, the one yeah. thing that was fun on the podcast, he would really, and he made it really funny, uh, how different you two were. Like, yeah. you were book smart and he was street smart, more or less. But yeah. But you both are, like, highly intelligent in very different ways. You know, um... Was he ever into school or any of that crap? You know what? Um, my brother had a lot of natural ability. Yeah. And um, things came... Uh, intellectual tasks he he could tackle them without a lot of effort yeah um i had to work really hard at them but i had i had a discipline to me um and he rebelled against that that sort of approach you know he he was more free flow that's so weird that you both came out of your mother and, and you were so different we grew up in an immigrant home and um we knew that th- there had to be a road out of that, and and how are we going to make it in the world? And uh, for me, it was school. That was like the route that became clear to me early on. It took my brother a little time to figure out what his route would be, and yeah. it turned out to be the culinary arts. Yeah, you know. And so, I just think Which it sounded like you're. I think he told me over the years that. Uh, they, they weren't supportive of his job choice at first. They were immigrants to the country, and for them, the ideal was, like, their kids were going to go to college. I think they had that preconceived notion that that's what success in the U.S. looked like, and they're, they're not wrong. I mean, you know, the, the easiest way to break out of a challenging neighborhood yeah. is to go to school. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't think that they, they thought that being a chef I mean, there, there were no celebrity chefs no. in nineteen no. in the seventies or eighties when we were no. growing up in New Jersey. I mean, it wasn't that wasn't rock- something you aspired to. I was going to say it wasn't a rock star profession. No, yet. not right? at all. There like, was the, like, like chefs were in the back of a restaurant and you never saw them. 
never got to see their personality. That's right. And most of the, most of these chefs, they have a damn good personality in the kitchen. You know, chefs are rock stars. They are. It's just no one knew them yet. No. You know, uh, so they're 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 zany. They're wacky. They're adrenaline junkies. They're and they're really interesting and they're really curious. Right. I think I think chefs, the best chefs, are really curious. And certainly Carl was. And I would assume your parents finally like started embracing his, his yeah. career path, right? I mean, look, he. Um, I think I remember when he started at his at Sabor in New Jersey, and he had his first review. And and my I remember my mom really reveled in in reading it. She's like, I think your brother's review came out, and she went and read it, and it was. She's like, this is good. It's. It, yeah. She's like, you know, she's like, George. Uh, they like him, and I'm like, yeah, mom, they like him. Right. She's like, I don't read English too good, but it looks good. And I'm like, you're right, mom. It looks really good. I think that when they saw him shape a menu, come out of the kitchen, interact with people in the restaurant the way my dad did at the tire shop that right. we grew up with, I think they started to see the value in it. Yeah. You know. I know as a parent, you know, you have preconceived notions about what your kids are going to do. And, and if there's a gap between that and reality, you're like, oh, is this the right thing? You yeah. know? And, and so I think they started to realize that, you know, um, my brother was really ahead of his time. And this was about the time Food Network was taking off. All these things were happening. International cuisine was becoming more of a common thing. Because, uh, I mean, growing up, yeah. In our neighborhood, there was no Indian food or Thai food. or There were diners. There was fast food. There was a few pizzerias. I mean, now the food scene is so much more diversified. Yeah. And, and Carl was actually part of bringing, I think, Latino food to the mainstream. The funny thing about him, though, is that his love went far beyond Latino food. He loved all kinds of food. And he found ways to mix them up. Um, he found ways to mix food in, that were incredibly creative and just took the best out of each tradition and mixed them together. Right. Um, so he honored, you know, the home he came from, but also the home that a Japanese family came from or a Thai family came from. He found a way to mix it all together and make it accessible to people. Yeah. And that's what's awesome. And it was because he respected tradition and authenticity. It was like, you know, that real recognizes real. Like he would, if, if someone was doing something that was authentic from a true place, he would just be so drawn to that and want to learn from them. Um, but, you know, like all like the, like mashing this food with that food, unless it came from a real sincere place, and he would recognize it like that. And he would chew you up and spit you out in two seconds. You know, but but people that were doing their food their way, like from the heart, he he recognized that instantly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I want to go back. Uh, you know, the, the stories he would tell about your dad in the tire store yeah. were heartbreaking. When your dad started losing his mind a bit there with the early signs of uh, Alzheimer's, and and guys that. You know, he supported and, and took care of were literally ripping him off. And, That's right. And it broke his heart when he used to talk about this on the podcast. You know, my dad is a, my dad is a real American hero. Um, he came to this country with, you know, it sounds cliche, but nothing more than a dream, and it's true. Yeah. And he realized that as our family was growing, that a factory job wasn't going to cut it. 
and so he he bought a small tire shop and he used that as as his vehicle to get ahead in the world and he took great pride in fixing those tires right it was amazing because you know fixing a tire there's no great science to it but my dad made it so that when you went to that tire shop you were buying more than just a flat fix yeah yeah you were buying a relationship with him right he always greeted you he understood where you were coming from I mean my dad was a warm like Carl a warm human being who tried to connect with people on a deep level and, and as a result of that, he turned his small tire shop into an economic engine for our family that gave us a better way of living. Right. I mean, that that's the American dream. Right. And my brother and I worked with him from an early age. He would take us to work with him. And uh, I remember that, that watching my dad work like that, uh, really shaped the way that I saw the world. Yeah, I, I had great appreciation, admiration for him, and the hustle that he took on day to day with a smile. And because of this, my brother and I were selling tires before we were teenagers. Wow! So we were in we were like 11 years old, and I could bring you up a used tire and sell it to you. That sounds crazy, and there are probably all sorts of child labor laws yeah, that, 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 that were broken but you know what it really shaped I, can't, I believe in my soul it shaped who my brother and I are and so me as a doctor when I see patients it's really no different than the interactions that we had in that tire shop and I know when I would see my brother at the restaurants that he ran and he would come out of the kitchen and people were like, hey, chef, and they wanted to meet him. And my brother knew that this was a very special moment for them. He would give them that moment. Yeah. He was He was never, he never denied people the access to him because right. he knew that they weren't coming there to just have an empanada. They were coming there to feel the whole experience. He understood that food goes beyond just what you eat. It's how you feel when you're there. And that's why when you think about the memories of your most fond, your your fondest childhood meals, it's it's more than just what you ate. It's where you ate it. It's who was there. It's, it. it's what Christmas was like when you were growing up or whatever the holiday was. It's, it's funny you should say that because uh, so at my grandma's beach house, she used to serve margarine and sugar sandwiches. That's, that sounds terrible on paper, right? Although they are kind of delicious. Um, but just like you just said, it's it's the truth because I I don't necessarily remember how good the sandwich tasted, but I I remember the love uh, yeah. that was behind making that sandwich. You know, for me, um, it's funny because when I go back to Jersey, I uh, I go to places we ate as a kid. Yeah. And um, whether it's Rutt's Hut, where we would go eat hot dogs, or Romeo's Pizza in Passaic, when we'd sit there and do it, I mean, it was it, it was part of our childhood. So when I go back now and I sit there, yeah. it's more than just a $5 slice of pizza. Of course, it's all the memories. It, it's like, Jesus, yeah. this is what... Do this you, is where we came from. Do you like hot dogs like your brother? I do. <laughs> it's and horrible. You're a I'm a cardiologist. But those <laughs> hot dogs are really good. I, I don't eat them regularly. Yeah. But I got to tell you, man, a, a great a great hot dog 
that's hard to beat. Yeah. You know, uh, the last conversation I had with Carl was over hot dogs. Is that right? We, we finished the podcast, and then I kept it on because I was walking him to the subway last time he saw him. And uh, we were at Gephardt's, the place I like to podcast. Uh, and I, I hope you make it there. Uh, next time you're in New York, you look me up. Yeah. We'll go have a beer there. I would love that. And as I'm walking him to the subway, he lo- he goes, you know, oh, the hot dogs at Gephardt's are pretty good, huh? And, and he was all happy how good the hot dogs were. And then uh, he gave me the best I love you, and I said bye. And I had one other conversation on the phone with him because he was going through some stuff at the restaurant, and I, I was just making sure he was okay. And, and that was it, unfortunately, man. But how, how did uh, your family handle when your dad started getting sick and then Oh, the sorry. Yeah, I didn't answer that. No, if you don't want it, it's okay. No, 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 absolutely. But I think it's yeah. important because it, I think it showed what kind of um, person uh, Carl was and, and certainly uh, what kind of person you are. You know, my um, my dad uh, built that place and was there for close to three decades. And it became clear that his mental faculties were failing him and that my mom had to sell the place. So between my mom and I and Carl, we worked together and found a, uh, a buyer. And um, it was one of these just on faith kind of relationships where we agreed to something and they paid us monthly and um, we handed over the tire shop to them and it was sad to close it was sad it was a sad end of an era for us you know because that that tire shop really gave us so much in terms of opportunity I will tell you that the last Saturday that uh, the last Saturday that that my dad was there I went and worked at the tire shop with him and uh, I was fixing this guy's tire and one of the guys working with my dad told the the customer hey you see that guy over there fixing your tire he's a cardiologist and the guy was like shut the get the hell out of here that you're talking ridiculous right right and they were the guy was like are you really a cardiologist I'm like yeah he's like what? <laughs> he couldn't understand it. And it's because for us, we didn't see the menial labor. It was my dad's labor. Right, it, right. it was it was there wasn't anything there wasn't anything dirty about it. Yeah. It was what we did. You took pride in it. And and I, I'll tell you, for me, working there that last Saturday, knowing that my dad's mind was slowly unraveling, was just made me feel so grateful it's crazy because when i i would go to the shop and my i remember when i went to college i went to brown and my dad put a brown sticker on a car brown university and there would be people that would come to the tire shop and they were like i go jesse i see you brown university did you visit up there did you buy the car with the sticker? He's like, no, my son goes there. They were like, no, come on. Your son goes to Brown? My dad would be like, yes, he does. He goes to Brown. They're like, they're like, what do you... He goes to Brown. They couldn't... It, it, it couldn't... It was too much of a contrast. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when I graduated from that university, I photo, I gave the original degree to my mother. And it hangs in her little study... In, a, in her apartment in Hollandale Beach and I photocopied it 
and I framed it and I put it in the tire shop. Nice. Because it belonged to my dad. Right. 100%. It belonged to him. Because without him doing this, Carl and I wouldn't have had a shot. Right. We would have. We would have been away for you guys. He did, with man. Hard work in the American dream. He was a hero. Yeah. He was a hero. He's an unsung hero. Yeah. And my mother too. They worked as a team. They knew that without each other, they couldn't make it. Your your mom sounds like a character. Uh, what I know from what Carl used to talk about on the podcast. Like she got into like uh, medicine a little bit and, yeah. and diagnosing people. How true is that? It's true. It is true. It's true. My mom would. Um, my mom is a very smart woman, and Sally, her education was cut short when she moved from Cuba. When she emigrated from Cuba, when she fled Castro's regime, she couldn't go to school. So uh, as I was going through medical school, she would ask me questions. She would ask me questions about her friends, like, you know, Maria has this problem. What, what should we do? What do you think? And I would explain it to her. I think my mistake was I explained it to her in detail. Yeah. And then my mom became basically a, a medical professor. I mean, she <laughs> she she knew. No, she she legit knew more about medicine than most of her friends. Right. And then if she didn't know, she would ask me, and I would answer. And so she and she was like a tape recorder, like Carl. She had a great memory, so she learned all this stuff. But this, I knew that I, that there would be a problem when one day she's like, hey, you should leave that prescription pad here. Just sign a few of them. I'm oh, like, mom, wow. now you're going to get arrested by the FDA. And by the way, she didn't do it. No, I'm I choking. Understand. Nothing happened. Yeah. But, <laughs> look at, but you know, you George know, look, yeah, no, absolutely nothing happened. But it's, it's true that in some areas, people exchange medications. I never yeah. ad- advocate for that. I of think course. it's a horrible thing. But my mom would be like, I think you have acid indigestion. You need to take, go get the Zantac. You, I think you have, I think you have arthritis. <laughs> and, and I think it's also fueled by the fact that when I go visit her, she's lined up several of the people in the building yeah. that have issues. <laughs> this is everything. So, yeah. Everything. It's true, man. Oh, so, son, it's so nice yeah. to see you. Uh, yeah. This is my friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this, this is a Janice. Uh, Janice, uh, meet the George. Sure, no, but, so, yeah. so my mom... Uh, Janice, like, I think she has the gout. So usually the way it plays out is um, I'll, I'll fly in with the family, the kids. She'll. It doesn't matter what time of day or night, she'll have a meal ready. Yeah. She'll feed me, and then when I'm in a little bit of an insulin coma, just, you know, figuring out that I shouldn't have eaten all that, she's like, you know, the lady in 802... <laughs> She's been having some swelling in her legs, and and listen, I'm, I feel so sorry for her. It's so sad. Did I tell you the story about her husband and how he died suddenly? And, oh, it would mean the world to her if you went up there. And, so you're making rounds. I'm like, yeah, no, and oh it would God. be like, yeah. All of a sudden, you have an intern when you get there. <laughs> it's like nurses. And it's funny because my wife is a gynecologist. But she never gets asked to do anything. <laughs> Ever. 
Well, like, I'm <laughs> waiting for someone to have a vaginal discharge or something. <laughs> something. Right? something. Oh my something. God. You for God's admit. sake. Some leakage somewhere. I you mean, you guys. Be real awkward. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, yeah, it would be awkward. Yeah. I'm like, joking, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you think about my high cholesterol diet versus, no, right. yeah. versus can you check my puss? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got some leakage. I, yeah. <laughs> So that stuff is true. I love. No, it, it is. It's totally true. Yeah. But obviously, mom, she cares for people as well. My mom does. You know, I think my mom would have been an amazing doctor. Her education was cut short. And she's got the instinct. She's got yeah. a really great healer instinct. Yeah. And I think that's something she passed on to us. I have obviously formalized it. My brother, in his own way, was a healer. Yes. You know, he brought. He brought healing to lots of people. Well, he did it through. Have you seen all the stuff on Twitter and social media where, like, he really healed a lot of people? Yeah, like, this person reached out because he, you know, he was sick, and Carl's like, "Give me your number right now," and he would talk him down. And I, I, I told you the other day that uh, you know he was uh, donating to GoFundMe pages without telling anyone. Yeah, and he has a healing instinct, and um, I'll tell you, for me, I'm. Uh, I'm incredibly proud to be his brother. I thought he was a unique and amazing guy. Um, I wish I had more of the experiences that many of you had with him. I, I have to admit that part of me is like sad that I, I didn't have some of these moments. Like people have told me, like, oh, I used to have lunch with your brother all the time. I'm like, God, I wish I had lunch with him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it Life gets really busy, and, and I think we forget... The things that really... Uh, Life gets in the way, for sure. Yeah, man. And you know? um, I think that's one of my biggest takeaways, you yeah. know? Um, he's touched so many people. Absolutely. Well, you can see it. They're all here right now. Um, so how competitive were you and, and Carl growing up? Because he talks about... It, it's really interesting because he obviously there's a lot of love uh, for you. But also he would talk about how... The family kind of would say that you were the chosen one. Yeah, you, def ah. you definitely won the family. That was the Carl's implication was that pretty much like they realized at a very young age that you were quote smart and he was quote not, and that that was just how that was going to. But come. I think that motivated him because he's like, oh really? You don't think I'm the chosen one or smart? Watch what I do next. You know, I I got to tell you. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to pop balloons, but my parents um, were incredibly fair-minded. They wanted more than anything for my brother to succeed. I, I felt like they put their eggs in both of our baskets. Carl, there was something about being the underdog that Carl always connected with, and even if, even if the situation. He was not the underdog. He still yeah, yeah. wanted to be yeah, the yeah. underdog. Yeah. Now, I happen to be uh, a very convenient not underdog, although I was an underdog in my own way. Even though he may that may be a narrative that he pushed along, from my vantage point, my parents um, stopped at nothing to have him succeed. Right on. Most of the resources they gave him, though, were focused in a traditional way. Like, hey, man, we're going to put you in a private school, which they did. We're going to, we want you to go to college, you know. But so, it, so it, it threw them off, I think, maybe a little bit. If he took a turn and was like, look, I want to be a chef, that wasn't unusual. But they wanted him to win. Yeah. 
they, they, they didn't want to just like, hey, I want George to win and call good luck. I like that, that at all. You know, yeah. I think it, but you know what? There's a lot of power in perception and in how you see the world. But I'll tell you, from my vantage point, there wasn't a like, you know, Carl, good luck, and George is going to do something. Yeah. I was not trying to compete with Carl in any way. I was just really focused on getting my own thing going. Thing done. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to think for me, um, growing up in New Jersey and aspiring to say, like, look, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to go there. I'm going to push. That was a hard thing for me. And so I wasn't trying to win so he would lose. I was just trying to win. Yeah. He he had he had great talent and my my mother was a huge fan. My mother was a huge fan. She she my mother fought my mother didn't know what Twitter was. She's like I looked on the little bird yeah. and I see where your brother is. <laughs> and he's doing this and he's that. All over and the little bird. When he was yeah, when he's on the little the little bird told me that Carl is my mother was the biggest fan, and she. The, the crazy thing is, though, if my brother perceived himself as the underdog, I will tell you that whenever he showed up in any family event, I disappeared to the background. So it didn't matter. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. It, it wasn't. If all the eggs were in my basket, it was very interesting that when he showed up, there were. He was a celebrity in the family before anyone knew him anywhere else. Outside the family. Because he just has this charisma to him that everyone just wanted to be around him, wanted to be part of him. So I think think it was part of a narrative that he he felt he needed to move forward. Well, he got off on being the underdog. You said it perfectly. So... But uh, he he was a he was a winner. Yeah, that's Ruzi. You want to get down on the show? No, I just wanted to say hi to this guy. Chef Aaron May in the house. I didn't want to interrupt. I just wanted to say hi. A few words about Carl. Hey, uh, what a great day today to be with Carl uh, in spirits and talking about all the great stories and sharing all the great times and watching you eat spicy. I mean, dude, I realized why Carl kept George away from all of us. Yeah. Because he's better looking and funnier, <laughs> and more affable. Like genuinely, like he is not. There's nothing curmudgeonly about him. He's clean. Yeah. Yes. He's polite. He has genuine sanitation down and hygiene. Like I would have kept away too. He's my brother. I'd be like, fuck you. He did keep us, uh, keep you away from us. That's for sure, George. But what a great day, honestly. I mean. Listen, it was a long day. I, mean, I don't know what time. We got there at like 7 a.m. today. We were there all day. Such emotional highs and lows and in between and working and trying to put on a show and trying to do everything and remember Carl the right way. And, I mean, it was a great, great day, but like just spiritually, like a lot today, yeah. right? Like, Well, as a chef, by the way, I got to ask you something. There's no ventilation in, at uh, uh, Guy's Grocery Games uh, set because when you guys were. He's still on the fucking coffin. Of course, I'm still on the coffin. Oh, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. So what was that? It was a really hot pepper. Yeah, so, I mean, think about it. It's basically pepper spray, right? You're yeah. activating the essential oils yeah. in those chili peppers. It's basically pepper spray. I had a tickle in the back of my throat. I started coughing. Then I'm, then I'm looking around. Yeah. Fast forward 10 minutes. Everyone in the place was coughing. Yeah, it wasn't even that bad today. We've been in there before. We have to literally wear, like, surgical masks. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, it's bad, bad, bad. Really? You know, I judged oh, a lot. You know, you know he's allergic to apples, right? I did not know that, but it, why are you saying that? I'm just saying. 
One of guys' favorite things was to, to put Troy and Carl and I on the spiciest episode ever. I don't know if you guys have seen any of those clips, but yeah. it was guys' great joy to torture yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of those days, like, yeah, you would, like, we'd be like, let's get out of here right now. Right. Because you're tearing and coughing and, like, I mean, just the worst. Yeah. You got one good Carl story? I got a lot of good Carl stories. Come on. Come um, on. One I'm trying to think one. of one that I can tell that, I, that I'm okay sharing. Uh, Carl, you know, listen, one of my, my biggest things, I'm sure you guys, some of you maybe can, can imagine, like, I, I'm not the most comfortable around strangers. I don't like to talk yeah. to random people, like, a lot in depth. I'm not the most, like, I'm not the friendliest guy maybe to strangers, uh, which is the exact polar opposite of Carl, right? Yeah. So Carl and I were in an Uber in Phoenix, Arizona, and we're going on about a 25-minute ride. And we get about one minute into the ride with a lady driver who's about 50 years old, turns around and says, I totally recognize you guys from Food Network, and I would love, love, love to have you guys over to barbecue at my house. At which point I'm like... I've never been on Food Network in my life. I'm going to put my headphones in and pretend this conversation never happened. And Carl's like, where do you live? What are we cooking? Well, Aaron and I would love to come. And I'm like, I'm like punching it. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Carl. Carl, Carl, I, I'm not joking right now, Carl. Carl, I'm being serious right now. And Carl's like... It's like a Bill Murray story. Carl's like, well, you know what? Where we're going isn't even important. Let's go to the grocery store. We'll buy food. Invite your family. Aaron and I are going to come cook for you. And I'm like, dude, you cannot do this to me right now, Carl. Like, I'm, I'm like crawling out of my skin. Uncomfortable. Like, literally, like, I'm dying right now at the very, like, the thought of this. And in true Carl fashion, the way he gets out of it is by telling, like, the most outlandish, it had to be a lie. There's no way it's true. Hey, there's no, no, no way to, no, there's no way that this is true. He tells, just talking about. he tells the lady in the most monotone, serious Carl voice, yeah. I just got a text from American Express, and one of my fans has requested to meet me at this restaurant, <laughs> so we have to make a detour, and we're unable to attend your barbecue. And I'm like, you have Amex texting you bullshit. Fuck off, man. <laughs> Amex, you have a fan who reached out to Amex concierge services who are now, who somehow have your cell phone number to arrange a meeting in Phoenix. Like, this is the most unbelievable story that could possibly be told. But it got us out of doing this barbecue, and God bless him. <laughs> but you know what? If you didn't protest as hard as you protested, I guarantee you'd be barbecuing. Oh, that a thousand percent I would have been yeah. barbecuing. And it probably would have been fun, actually. I, I would have refused to have fun. On <laughs> <laughs> but it might have been okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be missed. Absolutely. He will be missed every day in every way yeah. by a lot of people. Yeah. You were really prepared for this weather, George. Yeah, George is the only one in a winter's George coat. George is the only one who brought the appropriate warmth yeah. to this. I looked. I got on my iPhone. I figured out what the temp was. Of course he looked. Smarter Carl indeed. Carl would be in slippers and a, and a T-shirt if he was here right now. He would use he would use Jim Beam to stay warm. Oh, and it would be successful. There would be a robe involved. <laughs> George. I mean, I, I remember one story of us growing up. Like, just to give you an example... What we talked about, he, we loved cars, you know, and uh, we loved Porsches. And I remember saying, 
to him that the 924, which is like the entry model, the real cheap model, I'm like, it's a Porsche. And he was like, that car does not deserve to have the Porsche badge. And I, I, we were like maybe 12 and 14, 12 or 14. And I was like, well, it may not deserve it, but it has the Porsche badge. It's a Porsche. He's like, it is not a Porsche. It is a glorified Volkswagen. That car is horrible. And I remember we would back and forth, and I was like, listen, it's a Porsche. And I remember, like, he's like, F you. And he got up, and he turned the lights on, and then we started fighting. Really? Yeah, and my my parents were like, my dad comes in the room. He's like, what are you doing? And we're like, he, he's like, Dad, a 924 is not a Porsche. My dad was like, what the <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, go to sleep. It was at night, so that's the kind of conversations we had. Yeah, right. I don't. He never included me in any. Um, a bit intense when he, yeah, when he believed yeah, in something. You know, yeah, man. But you know, that's the kind of stuff we talked about. We never really talked about other crazy stuff. Well, I, I, I gotta say, it was. Definitely a pleasure to finally, you know, talk to you yeah, at length man, like listen, this. And, I, and I, I feel like now I got another new friend. You're not you getting do. rid. You're not getting rid of me anytime you do, soon, man. George. If you ever want to talk about Carl, you let me know because well, I want to talk it about helps I, keep him alive, and yeah. and I I love that. And I just want since we're on the mic and on the record, I want to say that he really loved working with you, and that that was something that gave him a lot of meaning, and that I think you gave him a lot of meaning. We we, so we, we I appreciate you. We did, we did that for each other, trust me. Trust me, we did that for each other. And this is great. And, um, and to people that listen to your podcast, who I know are, are plenty, Yeah. I, I want to personally tell them on behalf of our family how moved we've been by the reaction, the love, the kindness, compassion, and empathy that's been extended to us after his death. Right on. That that has really helped my, myself. My mom, our family, really try to come to grips with with with, with something that just feels senseless. Um, we've been able to start to understand the impact he's had with with the help of folks like you, and and I I just want to let anyone who out there who's a fan of his know that what you saw out there and who he was were one and the same. He was authentic. That's who he was. That's why I think he had that that magnetism. And I want to personally thank them for for just making him part of their chosen family. Right on. I, I can't beat that, uh, George. So, but you gotta do me. Will you shut the fuck up for a second? <laughs> the Jew needs to hug George. Holy shit, man! That was powerful. <laughs> that was powerful. And I, I, that's why I said I can't, I can't, I can't follow that. So, but you have to say one thing for the yeah, podcast. Man, tell listeners. me, man. Just go, Joey. Wrap it up, Joey. Wrap it up. And then maybe, and then maybe, and then maybe a boo, maybe a boo. Boo, boo, boo. Oh no! Boo, boo. Oh, George. <laughs> All right, I man. love you, brother. Thanks, brother. For real, man. Seriously, let me know. I'm happy to. Absolutely. You want to just really enjoy this? Let's go. Close the door. I don't know who you're staring at. Get the side. All right. So Dirty's the shot caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Carl Celebration! Now, the reason that I made you come together like this, and I'm going to make this really quick, is because this is how close Carl used to get to you. When you were in the moment of the Cuban, 
You were in the moment, and he was only spending time talking to you. So I want you to do me one favor right now. Before we go any further, I want you to take the next, and I'm going to ask for some, for some sultry music in the background. Without picking up on anybody or hitting on anybody you're not supposed to be hitting on, I want you to take the next, and make it quiet, boys. I want you to take the next 60 seconds. I want you to hug, introduce, celebrate, and recognize the people that were in your 30, your 360. Right now. Let's do it. So they can say it. And so Carl can hear it. But I want to tell you this. I do believe, and very very recently, just so you know, I do believe that there's a higher power. So what I want you to do now is I want to take the next 30 seconds, because it didn't take that long. And I want us to quietly, and I want you to say what you believe and what you feel and what you want to say to our brother Carl, the crazy Cuban. I want you to say it right now, quietly. As my spiritual guider, my sister Morgan would say, Namaste to you all. The greatest friends, the greatest people, the greatest band, one of Carl's favorites, and if you could have ever seen the Cuban lead a dance floor, it would be to sophisticate. My brothers traveled all the way here with no notice and dropped everything they were doing, as did you all. And I'm going to tell you, this is Carl's night, and you are his friends, you are his family, and you love him, I love him, and this is his night. So please, celebrate this night for the Cuban. Love you all. Namaste. Rock on. Boo, 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 boo.
I'm so happy you guys came up. What's up? What's up, buddy? Come on in. I was waiting for you by the door. Please. Where, where are we? We're in the uh, Yacapulco suite from Fantasy Island. Nice. I got a little something for you guys. Mr. Rourke's home. Wow, man. Look at this. It's somebody's birthday. Gentlemen. Wow. Damn. I knew you guys were coming. Is it Gruet? Bro, what the <laughs> Bro, what the I, I got a little, I had a mess. Did you make it rain earlier? Well, somebody was here. <laughs> Bro, what's up, man? What's up? I don't want to Bro, know. what's up? <laughs> you don't want a walking felony. <laughs> what's up, bro? <laughs> Great to see OP. Good to really, see you. I mean, I, it, it really, I, I needed to see OP. <laughs> yeah, All right, here, here, film us. You know what your surprise is? No, this is some good shit. Don't you feel like a young 22-year-old drinking this? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thought I'd pull my back out going up the stairs, but yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah, so this is ground zero after the event. Really? This is people are gonna get hurt up here. Oh my god! All my boys are coming from Brooklyn. It's gonna be. This place will be on fire. Show us around. Show us oh, around. Oh sure. So this is the stabbing cabin. <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> Very nice. Huh? Very nice. This is the window. Let me just let me just try out the bed. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Get off! What? what Get I'm, off! I was just trying it out. It's a fancy place, cuz. I was just trying it out. What's wrong with you? Fucking shove that Samsung up your ass. What? I was just trying it out. He's not going to be a kid from the fucking Goonies. <laughs> well, this looks like the courtship of Eddie's father. You know, some sort of weird Japanese How old are you? This is very Wow, bro. Your turlet's nicer than our turlet uptown. <laughs> bro. I'm not happy. That, that, tell me that's not a substandard shower head for the room. For this uh, room, yeah. Right? Guys, yeah. can, can I get a yes? Yeah, hell yeah. I'll give you a I'm disappointed. Yeah. And All it smells right. like a pool in here. That it means does. this thing was showered with cum about yeah. a week ago. <laughs> All right, let me turn this off so we can, like, uh, start getting out of here. Carl's surprise has arrived. Just wait, Cuban. I'm gonna go up on stage. Guy Fear, Rocco, what's up, buddy? How are you, man? And Alex Gorn Shelley. Hello. What's going on? Opie. How are you? And everybody else. Hi, mwah. My boyfriend Michael. Pleasure, man. Come on in. We're going downstairs. I just, I just want to get. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm good, buddy. I just want to get this on film for Carl. Mark yeah, I gotta talk Louisiana. to you. Louisiana. And I mark on you from Louisiana. Immediately. That's right. You guys know, here's Louisiana joke. You know, here, this is for the Ubon's people. Uh, what do you call uh, Louisiana? What happened? Without New Orleans. It's not good. What happened? This is not good. What happened? It's not good. What happened? It's not good. What happened? What the fuck? You got a fight? Is that. No. No, no, no. I, I'm just the beginning of the cake. No, 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 no. Yeah. Here are you. You stand up late. What? <laughs> It's your birthday, man. Up, man? <laughs> One more surprise. It's like female real talent. <laughs> Happy birthday! Oh, no fucking way! <laughs> <laughs> we killed the 
It's my past and my future, No way! No way! It was so beautiful. That was great. I can't cry. I can't cry. I'm a little guy. I'm a guy. Oh, I love it. A little covering. Oh. You needed a great birthday, buddy. You needed a great birthday. You're so rich. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Happy birthday, Carl. Happy birthday, Cuban. Happy birthday, buddy. All right, let's Love get drunk. <laughs> I got it. I, I, it's my job. Okay, I'm ready. I can't go through the TV. All right, all right. <laughs> Holy shit. What are you going to do? You get all the great chefs Carl, all show you're up. You're going to have to shave your whole body for this one. Too. <laughs> <laughs> this is not like a chest shaving. This yeah. is full body. Full body. Do you agree, guys? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Full body. Head to toe. Head to toe, including the beard. I, there isn't enough nair in the universe. I'm not, I'm not funny enough to do this. <laughs> all right, everybody. All right, let's go downstairs, Carl. <laughs> What do you think of your surprise, Carl? Opie, you, you uh, I've never, I'm, I'm, I've never seen you blubber before. Yeah. <laughs> we got him blubbering. Safi, well, we got him blubbering. It, I, it's been a, it's no, been I a like long... it. I like it. You don't have to explain. Out's going to Shelly and, and Guy Fieri and Duff Golden and all these guys come to my birthday party. It was like, Rocco. Rocco to Spirito? Yes. I would bang him. <laughs> you having a good time? It was, it's too much. It's too much for me to process. It's too much to have a full room of people. I got you, baby. Come here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Want to say hi to the world? Hi to the world, baby. No, this is really the world. Thank you, you buddy. Thank, Thank you, guy. Have well, a good one. There's a 50 in there. All right, I'm going to give me some wait, You're going to get heroin. That's you going to get. He left before I could give mine, Carl. I got you. I did a 50. 25, 25. <laughs> he left before I could give mine. Right. It was, it was, um, that was, that was a lot for me. Even for me. It was awesome to see you like that. I, uh, I'm not even joking, brother. It was awesome to see you like that. No, real shit. Yeah, I'm a real dude. Lately, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a bullshit dude. Lately, I'm a fan of real shit. I know how busy Guy is and Alex is and Duff is. Right. And for them all to come here and bring stuff. I know how expensive I'll tell you are. this much. Guy Fieri texts me. He goes, we want to surprise the Cuban for the birthday party. I'm like, you ain't surprising the Cuban. And they then got I, te me. I text you a million times and then Guy's like, he don't know, does he? I'm like, dude, I don't fucking think he knows. Holy I, I mean, shit. Opie, I would never, I mean. No, I believe. I ha we have such a tight circle that for him to do this, there had to be so many people that weren't involved. Right. And they had to bring in the big guy. Like, that's Safi. Like, Safi. If Safi, Fuck Safi. Safi drives cross country, right? So if Safi's here, it's, it's a real. It's a real deal. It's the real event. All right. Uh, yeah, we got to get down there because Sherrod's going on. Yeah, Sherrod wants us to see him, so. Put your cigarette Holy out. Holy shit, Opie. All right, let's Thank go. You. Let's go. Thank you. Yeah! All right, Carl, you got to say something to the people. you got to say something to all these fucking adoring white faces. <laughs> that came out for you. Go. I got more money than you. Yeah. 
He's right. He's got a lot of money. No, not anymore. Um, thank, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming out. Thank you. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. You guys are unbelievable. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Here's the cake. We got the cake coming, you motherfucker. Come on. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Carl. Happy birthday. Wait, wait, wait. Before we fucking bring it out, I gotta bring Guy up here. Guy fucking Fiat. Going to Shelly. Get them all up here. Get them all up here. Get them all up here. I need a picture, Becky. Becky, take a pic. Come on. Everybody get up here. Wait, here comes Alex. You want to get up for Alex or Shelly? Happy birthday!